this morning, you know, I've been contemplating what we're going to do, and uh, it hasn't been easy to really discern the will of the Lord on exactly what to speak today. So I'm just praying that the Lord will speak. Amen? So if you're listening out there, just lift your hands and let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray, Lord, your anointing, your presence will come. We ask the Holy Spirit to invade every home, every car, wherever people are listening. Holy Spirit, come and bring more power, more glory, more revelation, more hope, more encouragement. We thank you, Father, for all that are listening, and we bless them today in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Darren and Eric. Those were all original songs here from Austin Cathedral. And I just feel like the Lord's going to continue to bless that realm, Darren, for you guys and the worship team. That I think that it's only the beginning of something great. And from the very beginning of this, it's, we approached it, first of all, with heartbreak, heartbreak, because it seemed like something was going to end that we didn't want to end. But as we've gone along in this process, we've begun to understand that God has a bigger plan. And it goes all the way back to many years ago, the prophecies that God spoke over our lives concerning what would eventually happen in our lives. And even back in 1989, when I was caught up to be with the Lord, and while I was standing with him, my hair turned gray, and we flew up in the sky. Before we flew up in the sky, I said, Lord, what does this mean? And the Lord said, that's the wisdom of God. And so we went up in the sky, and we began to go over the earth, and um, so now you know why they call me Wild Bill. I tell wild stories, right? So I love telling this story because it's still so real, but it, it meant so much to me recently because I realized that the Lord showed me the nations of the earth. And um, I, saw, I felt like that was a promise from God. But the thing I want to speak this morning is that that's not just a promise for me. That's a promise for you. Uh, because every, every time that we transition in the kingdom according to the will of God, we are setting the stage or preparing the way for something greater to happen than what we could have seen before. God always has something better in mind. He always believes the very best for us. He never leaves us, nor will he ever forsake us, but he's low, he's with us, even to the ends of the earth. So understanding that, we, we understand that that this next season, for you that have faith, is going to be the best season of your life. Even the crises we're going through now is simply setting the stage for something great. Because faith is always uh, best when faith is tested. Faith is always best when opposition comes. And historically, the church has thrived when it's been persecuted. And some of you may feel like this is a persecution because you can't come and assemble together. Well, in a way it is because it's something being imposed upon us that, that really doesn't agree with us. But during those times is when we actually flourish the best. And so we're, we're seeing that in this season, we're going to see families come to a higher level of relationships than they've ever known. Unfortunately, some might not because there's always people that don't embrace but those that embrace what's happening right now, this sheltering in place, are going to find an enrichment for their lives. Um, it, it's, it's the opportunity of a lifetime. 
And I'm like you, I want it to get over with. I'm hoping it ends soon, Uh, sooner the better. But in the meantime, we're gonna take advantage of what God has laid before us. So it's a whole new way of connecting, a whole new way of relating that we're entering into right now. But that's simply setting the stage for when this passes, and it will pass, setting the stage for an explosive move of God, I believe, throughout the earth in the body of Christ. I believe this plague, this pandemic, is going to serve the purpose of God to literally bring millions of souls into the kingdom. Amen? So that's exciting, isn't it? And, um, you know, I'm thinking this morning, and I don't want to reminisce too much, because if I do, then I might not complete the message, but I, I did want to thank so much all of you that have been with us all this time, some of you shorter time than others. Going back through the old um, pictures the other day, back in 1984, we had a high attendance of 130 people in the Jazzercise. In 1986, we had a high attendance in Oak Acre Square on 290, just a few blocks from where one chapel meets now, 247. Our first service in here, first weekend of January 1987, we had 447 people. So... You look back into all that, uh, of the 447 people that were with us on January of 1987, we only have around 10 of those today, and many of those are family members. <laughs> so uh, uh, that doesn't mean they all left mad. That's just how life goes. In 34 years, you're going to have people come and people go. And one of the things that we do know about the history of our church is how very important and vital it has been for multiplied thousands of people. Uh, I've gotten a lot of people that have texted me or written me emails saying that how God touched them right here, how God changed and transformed them right here. And uh, so I look back on that and I look with eternal eternal gratitude because uh, what greater joy than to see God be glorified in the midst of us. And um, going forth, you know, we're going we're to have a celebration service. And then at that point, I want to really, all of you that have served here faithfully, uh, that have been such a vital part of this house, that's when we want to acknowledge you by name and what you've done and bless you and thank you so much for your service. Uh, I don't want to do that this morning because I'll leave a lot of people out. I want all of them to be here when we do do that. But I do want to thank especially this morning my, my wife, Sue, because... Um, I married her 1969, January, and the, it was the most wonderful time of my life. We, we'd only known each other three weeks, three months, three months. And uh, I, you've heard the story that driving down the road one night after a date, and I'm hollering out the window, top of my voice, I love her, I love her, and I'm weaving the car. <laughs> Pretty soon the red lights came on. And the cop pulled me over, and I'm sure he thought he was going to have a DWI that he could take in that night. But he said, son, what's going on with you? Are you drinking? I said, no, sir, I'm in love. And uh, so I fell in love with Sue Hart back in 68, married in 69. And uh, I want to thank her for the journey. Amen. Not that the journey's over. A lot of it's going to be like what, what Sean prophesied to us the last time he was here in September that we're going to take ministry vacations. 
ministrication. So you're going to go minister and also vacation a little bit at the same time. We're following in the example of Bill Vanderbush. That's what he does. And, uh, and, and, he, and, he's, a, and he's a young guy. <laughs> okay. So thank you, Sue, for your 51 years plus of being my wife. I think most people that know us know that you're really the star of the family because I think most people would say that if it hadn't been for you, I would have run off the rails a long time ago. And I believe that's true. <laughs> I really do. Because uh, I've been, I'm a little touched, you know what I mean? Uh, so uh, hopefully touched by the Lord. So thank you, honey, for all your faithfulness in taking this journey. You know, it was a different journey than what um, I told her when I proposed to her. The journey I told her then was, boy, marry me, and uh, by the time I'm 30, I'll be a multimillionaire and all this, and, you know, that, that's enough to light up any young lady's heart, you know, and uh, it was just a couple of years later, I said, okay, now you've married me, we're going to take up our cross and follow Christ. <laughs> so we put aside the multimillionaire task, and we went to work for the Lord. And then, of course, along came David, David Hart, my son, who's with us this morning in the sound booth. David's been running the sound booth off and on for all of his life. <laughs> and uh, he was only a couple of weeks old when we moved to Circleback, Texas. And um, David has been a faithful, faithful son. Uh, we walked together all these years. He's been a, a tremendous, tremendous support for uh, Sue and I. And uh, Sue and I are so blessed to have David and then Jennifer came. And uh, here comes a double blessing. Now we had two to, two to bless us. And one of the things that you realize that our children uh, are still with us. And thank you guys for staying with us. I know that you might have wanted to move to Colorado or Hawaii or somewhere, but you chose to stay with mom and dad. And we appreciate you for doing that so much. And from the time they were little babies, we took them to church. I mean, this like in swaddling clothes. They were so small, and they would go to church, and they never missed church in all these years. They, we grew, they grew up in the church. They never misbehaved in church. They sat still and kept quiet, and uh, they still do that. They sat still. No, they're not, they're not so quiet anymore. They're coming forth. But uh, they were the most perfect children that we could, a man could have. They didn't cause me a lot of problems. Um, I was probably causing them more problems than they caused me, to be honest with you. But David and, and uh, Jennifer, thank you. I love you. I remember the little time that we were um, um, in Iowa. And uh, I'd been out of the ministry temporarily, and that was when the Lord told me he still loved me. And then that's when supernaturally I was pastoring a church two weeks later. And we had this pretty good-sized crowd and uh, I didn't know that these people were Jesus' name only, and I preached on the Trinity. And so we went from like 30 people in the crowd till the next week, it was only David and Jennifer and Sue and me and the couple that owned the house. That was, that was six of us. So I got and preached them just like it was thousands of people there. And uh, it wasn't that long until we had 100 people that were coming. We were able to get our own building and so forth, which that turned into a great worldwide ministry through Brother Francis Frangipan. So what days, we, when we look back on those days, we look back on them with great joy and great blessing. And 
so many, some of you that are here this morning, we have a small crowd. We've, we're trying to stay within the city of Austin's guidelines, and we're close, yeah. And so, Lord, forgive us for if we got just a, a fraction over. But some of you that are here today, and I, I'm not going to go into all you because I want to do that later. And uh, I do thank also, along with our children, Darren, who is in phenomenal. Amen. I always felt like the best part of this ministry was Darren. And kind of the, the running joke around here was if it wasn't for me, we'd have a big church. And uh, it's probably true. Because uh, I guess the older I got, my mouth has been not always saying the right things, even though my brain thinks it. And so uh, I don't know how many thousands of people have actually left the church because I said something the wrong way. But Darren is the one that has really been uh, a shining star these last years, along with Eric, of course. Uh, and uh, I'm not going to acknowledge anyone else this morning. I'll acknowledge y'all later. But um, thank you so much, Darren, Eric. Thank you all for being the whole heartbeat of the church and how we worship the Lord. Amen. That's why we're going to continue, not only with one chapel, but we're also going to continue with the worship as much as the Lord allows in the coming days. So we, I don't think any of us could stand to live the rest of our life without listening to Darren Shaw lead worship. So, Darren, get ready. You're still going to be used to the Lord. Amen? And, uh, of course, uh, the grandchildren. Wow. I love these guys. And Nadia's not here with us this morning. If you're watching my live stream, Nadia, I love you like crazy. You're my favorite. And uh, uh, <laughs> Samuel, I don't know if Samuel's watching. Maybe you watch a repeat. Samuel's up in the North Pole, northern Wisconsin. Samuel, I love you. You're my favorite. <laughs> and uh, Kendall, what a joy you are to our lives. Wow. She was the firstborn of the grandchildren, and I made a fool of myself at the hospital. You know, that's my grandchild. I was running up and down the halls, and it was worse than when David and Jennifer were born. And uh, Kendall, thank you for your kind heart. How wonderful you are. You've always blessed us so much. And then there's Ben. I love Ben, ben Shaw. I think everyone that knows Ben loves him because there's something about his spirit, the quality of spirit that's very seldom found in a man, young man his age. So Ben, thank you for being who you are and being my grandsons and Sue's grandson. And you're my favorite too. Amen. And did I tell you you're my favorite, Kendall? Okay, you're my favorite also. So I've got a lot of favorites. And uh, uh, thanks to Cheryl and Joel, and we'll talk more about those guys later, what faithfulness they've been to uh, stand with us in all these years and just be a tremendous prophetic voice. And thank you, Travis, for your 29-year friendship. Uh, love you so much and appreciate your heart. Thank you, Jack. Jack has been with us since 1986. And uh, what, a, what a treat you are, Jack. You, you, you're the prize. Everybody loves, we've got a saying around here, everybody loves Jack, amen? And you're easy to love, you and Pat. Jack and Pat Parker, is, they've been a true foundation of this house for 
36 years, 34 and a half years, amen. And of course, Donna, Triplett, and Eric, uh, thank you guys. Donna's been with us, and Eric's been with us since, I think Eric was in the sixth or seventh grade when he, he joined in with us. He used to have hair, and now he's middle-aged. <laughs> so Darren's been with, uh, Eric's been with us a long time and was a primary worship leader for a long time. And Donna, of course, served the church for many years on staff salary. She also worked with us in our company, Kingsway. So thank you, Donna and Eric, for joining with us way back in 1985 to be a part of this church. Amen? Well, the Lord is good, isn't he? Amen. Are you happy this morning? Yeah. Praise the Lord. I hope I brought the right glasses. Okay. Anyway, 2 Corinthians, I want to just share a little bit about the word this morning. We won't, I'm just going to speak a few minutes. But I want, to, I, want to, I want this word to be something that blesses you in a way that will give you a pathway for the future. And as we take this next step of unity, and as Ross even said last week, wasn't that great last week when Ross spoke and we were together, but he said, I think in the, it, the lunch, he said, we're co-mingling. And uh, that's such a good term because when you bring two things together, you co-mingle. And so you're passed from one to the other. And we, we know that right now we're not wanting to co-mingle with the virus, but we want to co-mingle with one another. Amen? Because I'm in you and you're in me. Just as Christ said, the Father... I pray, Lord, we be one just as they be one. So there's that unity that comes to bring, bring something special, to release something. And that's what we're about to enter into. We're, we're about to enter into the, the most profitable, rewarding days that we've ever seen. Uh, we could look back on the past and lament the fact that uh, we had rewarding days then. And, and if, we, if I were to go into the uh, history today, we'd be here for hours because there's been so many Incredible things happen here. Over 124 speakers have spoken in this church, some of the most prominent names in Christianity in America and the world. Uh, we've had some people come in that carried stuff that is just almost uncanny. So there's been so many great memories, but that's not what we want to look at is the memories. We want to look at the future. And the way we do that is that we look at what God has done in each one of our hearts. The scripture says that you're a treasure in earthen vessel. There's a treasure. It means God has deposited in us something that's very valuable. How many sense that in your heart? That something has been put in your spirit that's very valuable. That God doesn't want to be hidden, but he wants to be expressed through you so that what you have can be a part of what God is creating on the earth. See, the body of Christ is very diverse. So there's different ministries. There's different gifts. There's different manifestations. And each one of them are equally important. And part of the reason the church has failed to grow the way that it should have or could have grown is because we've isolated ourselves and we've camped around our own particular emphasis or what we believe. And we disregard people that maybe are a little different than we are because we don't want... After all, we go back to the Old Testament, you know, we, we want to be a pure nation, you know, so we, we're the only ones that are truly pure. But th that's, not, that's not the way of the kingdom. The kingdom breaks down every wall. 
The Bible says there could be a kingdom without walls. So there's this commingling that, that I believe in these last days we're going to see taking place in the church on an unprecedented scale. As much as we've been divided and as much as we've been separated, we're going to see the opposite of that begin to take place, where we begin to be joined together with one heart, one mind, amen, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and we all be joined in one spirit, ultimately in one faith together. So I, I think this step that we're taking um, with Pastor Ross and one chapel, Larry Foster and Suzanne, you were here too, bless you guys, love you. At, at this step we're taking, I believe, is the first fruits. Doesn't mean it hasn't happened before, but I believe that this is going to be an example to many people to see how things can come together to be one. What can happen out of this? It's going to be unbelievable. And I, and I, I think what Larry Lee said, that I said just this explosion taking place. That's what I'm believing for. I'm believing for there to be a combustible thing that happens through the unity that, that God gives us. In 2 Corinthians in uh, chapter, chapter 8, verse 5, and uh, Paul is addressing the Macedonians. Um, verse 2, that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. For I bear witness that according to their ability... Yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing. Say with me this morning, I am freely willing. See, every gift has to start with a free will. You have to purpose in your heart that you're going to give before you can ever give. Because if you don't set yourself up as a giver, you'll always be withholding to try to preserve what you have. The greatest gift that you can have from Christ is to understand that what God has given you is not given to give to you. It was given to give to others. Amen? That's the principle of the Lord, isn't it? And the more we give, the more we pour out, the more we're sowing into people's lives to create something for them that brings them into a better place. So it said, imploring us with much urgency. And, I, and that's the way I feel this morning. Lord, I implore you... <laughs> Let me give in these coming days like I've never given before. Well, I thought you were going to retire and take it easy. That's the first thing that people thought, well, Pastor Hart's retiring. And, you know, that word really began to irritate me uh, because it sounds like retread or something like that. I, retiring? No, I'm not retiring. Sure, it's wonderful what's happening this season of our life. But it doesn't mean that we're retiring. It means that we're being promoted Amen. to something greater. And I know that everyone says that when they get the gold watch. You know, it's, I now get to go to Florida and fish. But that's not our goal. Our goal is to still be sowing into the body of Christ. In fact, it, it, I could maybe retire from preaching or retire from this or that. But how could I ever retire from being a giver? You don't retire from giving. You only pray that as you grow older, your giving becomes more, and that, that you're now, what you're giving is so rich that it might really enhance the people's lives that you're sowing into. Amen. Amen. And it said, um, they implored with much urgency that we would receive the gift, gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And, and they, this they did, not as we had hoped, but they gave themselves to the Lord. 
And then, this is the kicker, and then to us by the will of God. Amen? I know those almost 50 years ago when I answered the call of the Lord to preach the word, I gave myself to the Lord. It was, I had felt like I had no choice because the Lord compelled me. And I could have resisted, but I didn't. I fell on the altar and I said, Lord, I give myself to be used however you choose. It's that, that one moment in history that changed my life. Apart from the salvation, of course, I'd received the month before, but the day I truly surrendered, it changed my life forever. I set myself on course to live a life, not for myself, but to live my life for others. Unfortunately, I haven't received an A on the report card for that because I think many times I've missed that. But yet overall, I think that in my heart, Sue and I have been committed to loving, serving, sowing seeds into people's lives. And uh, that's the thing that brings the joy because the, when we give, it releases the presence of the Lord. Giving is the highest call that you have in your life. It's true that when it says that, that your uh, treasure is where your heart is. Is that right? So if, if you're not giving, then you're, you're locking yourself into anger and bitterness and judgmentalism. But when you're giving, you become like a living stream that flows and brings life. A gift brings life. When Jesus gave himself to us, he gave us life. He said, now I'm the living water that's flowing, coming out of me, this water, this giving. So I pray that in this season that we as Austin Cathedral, most of you that are listening are members of Austin Cathedral, I pray that you see yourself as a giver above everything else. That when we enter into this new season with our co-mingling with our brothers and sisters at one chapel, that we're not going into this relationship with what are we going to get out of this or judging what we may not be getting out of this in relationship to maybe what we've been. No, we don't approach it from that negative. We approach it from the positive. We're going to sow our lives into your lives. We're going to give you what God has deposited in us in this house. See, there's a reason why God led us on a certain course all these years. Um, there's a reason why God puts certain things in our spirit so that we can become the salt of the earth and the light of the world. We can become a seed that falls on the ground and dies so it can bring forth this fruit. So what we sow in these coming days into those at one chapel, and some of you may are going other places. If you are, we're going to bless you this morning in that. But wherever you go out of this point, realizing that Austin Cathedral, what we had here, doesn't die. In one way it died, but in another way it's going to bear more fruit now than we ever would have been able to bear without this step. Sean, one of the first things he said to him in the office when he was here, spent almost two hours with him. And Sean, in my mind, is the most respected, in my opinion, respected prophet in America. And he's always been so accurate. First thing he said when I submitted this to him, 
because I was struggling. You know, I had a garden of Gethsemane that lasted a lot longer than just one night. You know, Jesus went through it one night, but it might have seemed like months. I was going through a garden of Gethsemane. And uh, Sean said, Bill, if you don't do this, that which means join your heart with Ross, partially, you've got to do it because if you do it, he said, the word that God put in you is for the world. And until you do this, it'll not be released. So I, I, that really struck home to me because could I be, am I going to be selfish and try to maintain my position, try to do everything I can to keep this afloat and going, or do I yield myself to the Lord and give myself to the next level? Amen? And I had to go through a lot of death because when you're pastoring and you have all people giving you all this praise most of the time and bestowing on you so much honor, it kind of can go to your head. And I have to admit that I didn't realize it had kind of gone to my head until I was faced with losing it. But when I finally let go, it's amazing. When you let go, there's always a resurrection fixing to come. The minute you die is the minute he lives. So I said, Lord, I suffer with you so I can reign with you. I die so I can live. I sow so that fruit can come forth. Amen? So they gave themselves to the Lord and then they gave themselves to us by the will of God. In these last 50 years of ministry, God knows that, thank God that his blood has covered my sins. Some of the ways I've been, some of the ways I've thought in the past that if you were to know, you probably wouldn't walk with me today. And I guess that would probably go for you as well in your own heart, because all of us struggle through this flesh. But by and large, I feel that we've been faithful to labor and to plant Christ in the hearts of people's lives so that they too can go forth and bring forth a harvest in the kingdom of God. Because everything begins by giving. When we give, it opens up the door to heaven that the blessings may come down. It says even in Malachi as we give, and it's more than just tithes and offerings, but it's the heart that we give. You can give all the money in the world. It means nothing unless you're giving yourself. But when you give yourself, it says, then God will open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing upon you that you cannot contain. So I, I, at this point, I'm kind of anxious to give more. And next Sunday, in fact, at one chapel, if the offer still stands from Ross, I assume it does. I'm going to be a part of that service at 9 a.m., onechapel.com. Be sure to tune in. And at that service, I'm going to demonstrate a gift. And it's not maybe the amount of the gift, but it's a gift that I'm going to give back, so back to one chapel, especially during this seed. So that's going to be my heart going forward. My heart going forward is to become a giver so that I can begin to be like the Macedonians. Let me read this quickly in verse chapter 9, verse 5. Therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren to go to you ahead of time and prepare your bountiful gift beforehand, which you had previously promised, that it may be ready 
as a matter of generosity and not as of a grudging obligation. For this I say, say it with me on live stream, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver, and he is able to make all grace abound to you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things have an abundance for every good work. Now, what are we sowing besides money? We're sowing what God has put in our spirit, and the, the, the great emphasis that we've had, that every ministry has a particular function or word that they speak and ours has been having to deal with the heart. To let our hearts be like the heart of David. To have our heart be that pleasing to God. Because we've conformed in our hearts to him. And we've, we're determined to not have a wrong heart, but a right heart. An open heart. To have a right spirit. And have a right motive or motivation. And have a right choice of whose will we follow in our lives. It's really been about the Lordship of Christ, hasn't it? Because as we've exalted him up, it puts us in the perspective of relationship to him. And so we're being changed and conformed into that image, who is him. We're being conformed into his image to be a perfect representation of who he is to the earth. That's my goal. My goal, as long as I live on this earth, is not to settle for a partial expression but to press in to the fullness of Christ, of God in Christ Jesus. Not to settle just to be a little bit, but to settle to be a lot. Amen? That the maximum thing that could happen in my life will happen. That's what I'm believing for. It's not that I need glory for that or you need glory for it. It's that we're pressing in for the kingdom. See, all of us are part of the kingdom of God, and we have an obligation, not only because of, of who we are in Christ, but we have an obligation because that's the commission that God's given us. Go ye therefore into all the world, the Bible said, and make disciples of all the nation. Go and show them who he is. Reveal to them who the Father is. And when you go into this next season with this one chapel, or if it's in another place, go in there with the anticipation of bringing the biggest gift that you can give. Bring, bring yourself and lay yourself before them. Give yourself to them. Be like Jesus. He said that, let me wash your feet. They said, Lord, no, you can't wash our feet. After all, you're God in flesh. Give me a break. I'm not going to take my stinky shoes off and have you wash my feet. He said, no, unless you let me wash your feet, you, you have no part of me. And he washed their feet and he said, now you go and you do the same thing. So if Christ could wash the feet, Bill Hart can wash feet also. Because you see, it's not out of my strength, nor out of my gifting, nor out of my years of experience that I offer anything. It's out of my heart and my spirit that I have an offering to bring. An offering of love and giving. Which far surpasses any gift of preaching or teaching, charisma, gifts of the Spirit. If I could bring my heart, then Christ is revealed. 
Amen. The Lord let me come and serve. So Lord, who is the greatest? You that serve are the greatest in the kingdom. So Pastor Bill, what's going to happen to you? We're worried about you. We're, you know, you've been pastoring for 50 years. Now you're, you're saying that you're going to be submissive to another man. Yes. That's, I love submission. There's no place that I'd rather be than submitting my heart to someone. Because that's where Christ is. He's in the middle of that. He dwells in the middle of submission and hearts that are yielded to him. Jesus. Wow. So we come, Lord, your sons, your daughters, that are becoming fathers and mothers of a new generation. The prophecy over me, and it's hard to even repeat because it might sound better than it really is, that I'm going to be a father of fathers. I don't know what that means. Maybe it means I don't have to put up with the problems that the fathers put up with. I can just kind of be over the father, looking over the fathers and helping them. But I'll, I'll, I'll go for that part. But I'll be a father of fathers and help what Christ wants to create upon the earth. You see, God takes every member of the body and uses them to sow, to water, and to reap. And he uses each member in different ways. But there's this process of starting out as a babe in Christ, then becoming a child, then becoming a son, then becoming a father and a mother in the Lord. It's a process of perfection that God is working within us. And we know that if a church is only focusing on perfection, it very usually neglects having children, having babes. We know if a church only focuses on bringing forth babes and children, it too becomes anemic. You have anemic on both sides. So in this great coming awakening that we're fixing to move into in the body of Christ, we're going to see the marrying of the fathers and the sons. We're going to see both the old and the new being birthed together so that it creates a church that not only births and has children, but it sees the maturity of the sons that are coming forth so they too can be formed and fashioned into the image of Christ. So it's no longer about meeting their needs. Let's see, when, you're, when people are babies and children and young people, oh, it's all about me and how much needs I've got. But when you grow older, you put away those things and you begin to become those that are the ones giving. Amen? So the body needs all of those factors working at the same time. So uh, this is exciting. And, um, you know, the, the, Jesus had disciples for a designated period of time. But he told them he was going to go away. He wasn't leaving, though, though, entirely, was he? He would send the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit would guide them into all wisdom and all truth and instruction. And that's kind of what's happening to us. There's a decrease, but there's an increase that far surpasses what we think. We're truly going to stay one day that, God, you so shocked us. We were like kind of grieving and kind of looking forward, but now we realize how wonderful your plan is. I want to be 
one of those that can honestly say, I have not seen nor entered into my heart what God has prepared for them who love him. Amen? So this morning, even though we're going to have another time in the future, hopefully, this morning I want to have every one of you reach your hand out because I'm going to speak something over you or hold your hand up or put it on your heart or wherever. I just want to proclaim to you today that you are released to go forth into the earth to sow your life into the body of Christ. That God will lead you and guide you in every step you take during these next days. That as you go forth just as an isolated body called Austin Cathedral, you're going to go forth now into all the world. And the multiplication, the seeds that's been planted in your heart will be mighty and they will multiply beyond even your expectation. For the Lord will show and do mighty works in the midst of you. So today in Jesus' name, as your pastor, I release you and commission you to go forth, to bear fruit, to multiply, to rejoice in the Lord. Does it mean that we still won't be a family? You that want to choose to be that, we'll still be a family. But it means now your family has expanded into something that you never dreamed possible. Amen. So David, why don't you and Sue and Jennifer and come over and, and uh, I just want you guys to stand with me. Would never have made it without these guys. My wife, who every man I've known has been jealous that I have such a wonderful wife. Amen? <laughs> and uh, David, come over, stand by soon. Um, thank you. We love you. Amen. We'll always be for you, be with you. Amen. See you next Sunday morning at 9 a.m. at uh, onechapel.com. And uh, be praying for one another and lifting each other up. Reach out to the lonely. Reach out to the hurting. And bless someone with your gift of love. Amen. God bless you. Let's worship the Lord. Mm -hmm.